saved us. You've walked us through the most difficult things that we could ever possibly imagine. You're a source of joy. You're a source of hope. Lord, all those things come to mind, and I think you didn't have to do it. There's something about who you are that compels you to love us. Help us this morning, Lord God, to not only celebrate that, but to settle into it. Settle into it with a heart that is filled with uh, a desire to give our all and our best to you. Bless Pete as he comes, Lord. You've, you've put something in front of him that he's supposed to, to pass on to us from you. Help us to have receptive hearts, we pray now in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. It's always a pleasure and a privilege when I get to be able to preach and to be able to uh, just share this time of worship uh, with you. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you grab them and turn to the book of Romans chapter 12? That's where we're going to be this morning, and we're going to be starting at verse 1. And this Sunday is Group Connect Sunday. And so we're going to spend some time this morning looking at why connection to the body of Christ is important. And not just connection as attending, but participation in either a small group or a growth group, and why it's important to your spiritual growth, but also there's a, it's an important part of our church growing and to being a healthy and effective body to be able to serve and do the work that God has called this ministry to do for his glory and his glory alone. So after this service, we're going we're gonna to go a little bit shorter today to give you the opportunity for uh, those of you maybe who have children in our children's ministry uh, that you can uh, leave them there and to go up to our north part of our campus into our chapel uh, we have a number of tables and treats and small group leaders that are going to be meeting you there who are looking forward to uh, answering any questions you might have to tell you about the studies that they're going to be doing over this year and uh, give you the opportunity to see what's there and to sign up. And, and as, uh, as we look at God's word this morning, I want to also just point your attention to inside of your bulletin this morning, you have uh, a little preview, a menu of what is going to be available this year for us in our discipleship uh, ministry, both in growth groups, classes, uh, men's and women's growth groups, small groups. Uh, we have them by life stage and just by general multi-generation groups. We have lots of offerings for you this year. We're very excited and thankful for our many leaders, and we'd hope that you would take a look at that. Uh, maybe you grabbed a ministry guide that gives more information, detailed information on exactly what's going to be studied. Uh, but we're here to, to answer those questions for you later today, but it's going to be a great morning. You know, each of us is on uh, the discipleship continuum, and the discipleship continuum is basically this, this line that extends in all of our lives, and it, it has a point where we didn't believe in the gospel. We didn't believe, uh, maybe we hadn't heard yet, or maybe we had heard and we rejected, but we did not believe that Jesus was the answer to the biggest problem in our life, the sin problem. We might not have even recognized that we needed to deal with the sin problem. We might have just thought that was normal living. And so there's a point on that continuum where we are, are investigating, I and mean, we're, we're investigating what's being told to us as truth, as the gospel being presented. And then for many of us this morning, we have placed our faith in that gospel, and we move from, from unbelief to uh, repentance and belief. 
And we believe that scriptures teach us that that belief in the gospel and nothing else is what saves us, that God removes our sins, past, present, and future, and, and places us now in his family. We are adopted. We are sealed. And there's nothing that will cause him to turn away from us or to forsake us and say, I'm done with you because I gave you a chance and you squandered it. And the goal in scriptures then is for us to move along this discipleship continuum, for us to continue to grow, to go from where we didn't believe and, we, and, and the invitation in the gospels from Christ is come and see, come and listen. I have something to tell you. And then to repent and believe and to follow. But not just to stay there as now I, I believe and then I can continue to do my own thing. Now we're invited to what? To follow him and he's going to begin to equip us and change us and make us disciplers, fishers of men. And the whole point, and one of our passions at Salem Heights is that we would help you uh, be able to grow, to be mature in Christ, complete in Christ, not based on our ministry or our efforts, but based on our partnership in the work of ministry, our, our community that's built upon the foundation of God's word, and so that we would move you along this discipleship continuum to more and more maturity, more and more equipping, and then you are the ones that are being sent out by this church and by the Lord, both in our community and around the world, to tell people about the gospel and bring those seekers, like we all were at one point, to hear the gospel and have the opportunity to believe themselves. We're all on that continuum. But it's hard to grow spiritually in a fallen world. That's why God has placed us in a community of love, his church. And as we read the scriptures, it is no secret that God intends for us to not walk along this discipleship continuum on our own. This morning, I want us to consider two things. The first is this, where are you on that discipleship continuum? Perhaps you're here this morning and you have not believed in Jesus as your Savior. You have not believed in the gospel for your salvation. You do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're glad that you're here. And we're not offended by your questions or your skepticism. We would love the opportunity to talk through those with you and share what we believe from God's word. Perhaps you are a new believer and you're, you're growing and you're excited. You have chosen to believe Christ and now you want to follow him. Maybe you've been a believer for many, many years, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, that you're further down on the discipleship continuum because age does not equate to spiritual maturity. And for some of you, maybe you are, you have been the ones being sent out by God and God has given you a passion that you didn't have at one point. The idea of you going and serving in another part of the world, going and serving the homeless, going and serving those who are out in the highways and the byways, you would never have thought you would be used by God, nevertheless have a desire to be used by God in that, and he has given you a new passion. He has changed your heart. I would like for us all to consider that this morning. Where are we at on that continuum? And the second thing I'd like for us to consider is what responsibilities do you and I have to one another? I've been praying uh, in advance of this morning that uh, one of three outcomes might happen. The first is that uh, for those of us who have been connected into community here at Salem Heights Church, that we've been a part of small groups or we've been a part of growth groups, that we would be encouraged to take a next step, to move further down that discipleship continuum, however that might look, and that God's word would encourage us to do that. Or possibly, I pray that if that's not you, that maybe if you're kind of on the fence, maybe you're not sure if you have the time or the desire or if there's really anything that you can gain from participating in a 
community group, that God's word would prompt and inspire you to say, yes, I'm going to get connected to this local church. But if you have maybe not been a part of it, you haven't seen the need, you haven't seen the value, maybe you've had a bad experience in the past, or maybe you just don't want to be known. You don't want accountability. You don't want to be uh, transparent. I would pray that you would just prayerfully consider what God's word has to say for you and see that there is something actually that he wants to give you through his church that you're missing out on by not connecting to the body. So we're going to read our passage. We'll pray And then we'll look at a few observations that the Apostle Paul wants us to see about being connected to the body of Christ. Would you stand with me if you're able? We are going to read our passage this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. The Apostle Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, And all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who with liberality, He who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Do you believe there's something in there for us this morning? There is. Would you be seated? And we'll pray. Father God, I pray that in in the next few moments, you would soften our hearts, that you would open our ears, that we would consider what is the next step for us. God, you have saved us. You've transformed many of us from the kingdom of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of your son, the kingdom of light. And God, you have a a community for us that is designed for our good, and and you've given us a special place in it. And I would just pray, God, that each of us would consider how you would want us to respond to your scriptures this morning. We thank you for giving them to us. We're thankful for the patience that is communicated through the verses. We're thankful for your faithfulness to us, even when we are not faithful. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. A few years ago, I was camping with my wife's side of the family, and it happened to be uh, that my birthday was on this camping trip. And so uh, my family knows me pretty well, and, and they knew that we were camping, and, and we could be swimming or hanging out. But they said, hey, is there anything you want to do on your birthday? And I said, well, I actually like to go golfing uh, because I love to golf. And they said, okay, well, you can go golfing which is really cool, but like, they didn't want to go with me. They said, we'll stay here. You go golfing. And so I went golfing by myself on my birthday. 
And uh, it wasn't that bad. If you're a golfer, that actually is kind of a nice thing. So it was a gift. Uh, but I was walking, I was playing, it was, you know, middle, uh, late summer, my birthday's in August, and it was, it was a warm day, and I, I played the first nine holes, and I stopped into the snack shack, and I was really thirsty, and I looked up on uh, the menu, and I saw this thing that I'd never heard of before, it said Arnold Palmer. Now, I knew who Arnold Palmer was, because I knew golf, and I follow golf, but I didn't know what he had to do with uh, being on the drink menu inside the snack shack. And so I said, I'll try one of those. And so for those of you who don't know, and Arnold Palmer is the, in my opinion, the best drink on planet Earth. Uh, it is a combination of tea, preferably unsweetened tea. I was in the South one time, had sweet tea and lemonade. It's way too sweet. Uh, but you might like that. But Arnold Palmer is a mixture of tea. And, and some people think it's a 50-50 mixture. That's actually wrong. Okay. You, I'm being serious. You asked Arnold Palmer. He actually talked about what it actually was. Okay. And then, and then lemonade. Again. And the quality of your ingredients matters, but it forms this amazing, beautiful blend of flavors. And on that day, um, it was the highlight of my round. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> and I've been drinking them ever since. It's probably my favorite thing. And uh, people have, some people know that, and so they'll... they'll um, They'll treat me to that, and I always appreciate that. That's not a plug for me. Please don't feel obligated to buy me anything. <laughs> I'm actually pretty picky about my Arnold Palmer's, but uh, why would I do that? I was thinking about this. As you read through Romans, there's this beautiful balance that Paul articulates in Romans chapter 12 that, okay, you're different now. Romans is this beautiful textbook of the gospel, in the first half of Romans, it paints a vivid portrait of who we are apart from Christ, and it's not pretty. And then it talks about this beautiful, free, gracious gift that God gives us, and it starts to talk about the transform transformation that takes place on the inside. He starts to give us a new heart. He starts to change what we are passionate about. He starts to change what motivates us. And now in chapter 12, he's going to go, okay, we've already talked about what God has done on the inside of you, and now we want to talk about what this will look like in your outward actions. But what we see here in chapter 12 is that the Christian life is not just this blend, or not just this thing of just my relationship with God, but it's this beautiful blend of my relationship with God and then this relationship that he has placed me into, into the body of Christ. And the reality is that each of them, you know, obviously God has, a, has this, the premier role in our life. He is the one that without him, I mean, there's no real reason for us to come together this morning. We come together because of our unity on the gospel. But without one of these things, we're going to be out of balance. We have too much God and not enough community. We're going to be out of balance, and we're going to feel that because God has given the church to have a specific role in our lives and other believers to do certain things for us and, and us for them. But if we have too much community and not enough time in our personal walk with the Lord, we're out of balance too, and we're going to dry up real, real quick. It's a perfect blend. Our notes say, quote, personal relationship with Christ. This phrase is used countless times each weekend in churches that gather for worship services across the United States and around the world. And while such wording is helpful in describing the intimacy of our fellowship with God, it's only part of the truth because it neglects the reality that God's design is for believers to be deeply connected in community with other followers of Christ. 
if not carefully explained, this phrase could give the impression that the Christian faith is private, just between you and God. For while our faith is indeed very personal, it is definitely not private. The early church father, Martin Luther, commented on Romans as being the true masterpiece of the New Testament, that you could never read it too much or study it too much, that every day would have something for you as it continues to keep the gospel in the forefront and not in the background. We've talked about that before, how sometimes we look at the gospel as what we interacted with and believed in our, in our story, but then the gospel kind of gets placed in the, in the background rather than the thing that keeps in front of us, what motivates us, what we're striving for, what brings us together being the gospel. And in the book of Romans, we clearly see this vivid picture of a rebellious heart, a life that is focused on self. That's really a great description for the sinful life, a life apart from God. It's a selfish life. It's a life of isolation because I'm out for myself. I'm only concerned about my best. I use other people for my own benefit. I'm not actually looking to help them or benefit them in any way unless it benefits me. The life apart from Christ is a life burdened by a weight. The weight that says, I have to find out now what is success, what is my purpose, and what will satisfy me. And I'm on my own to figure that out. On the, on the first steps, immediately when we maybe make that choice, that sounds good because it sounds like we have complete control. We do whatever we want, whatever makes us happy. But the reality is it is a crushing burden that even believers can slip back into when we start to try to hold up ourselves and satisfy our longings. That's the picture that Paul paints. And without God's transforming work in our hearts and minds, we are helpless against sin's power. We're trapped in that selfishness. We're trapped in our sins. But in Christ, that's no longer the only option. Because of his death on the cross for your sins and for mine, and now his gracious offer of salvation through faith alone, we have another option. Scriptures tell us that we can now have the ability to break free from the hold of sin to be in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, to live in his power, a power that's not going to crush us, but is going to lift us up. That's not going to suck us dry, but it's going to fill us up. That's who we can be in Christ. And that reality that starts on the inside with belief and begins to transform our heart and our minds, the way we think and the way we feel, Paul says, now it's going to impact who you are on the outside. Your life should be different. It's going to start to, it's going to, start to impact your actions and your motivations. But in Christ, we've been given a new way to live. We see this in the first two verses of our passage where Paul is urging them, pleading with them, to live now, not for themselves, but to present their bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. To give now from what they were before they started this relationship. Before Christ, I am focused on me and me alone. Now that I'm in Christ, I'm focused on laying my life down and following him. I'm focused on loving him by loving his church, his body, the other community of believers. It's one of the key distinctives that we see in Scripture that sets us apart from the world. How will they know that you are a true follower of Jesus Christ? By the way that we love one another. By the way we serve one another. See, the Christian life combats this selfishness of sin. 
and it combats it. It's attack against sin selfishness is saying you have to go 100 and 180 degrees over here and combat it by saying live a life of sacrifice. Live a life first for the Lord and then for others. Paul touches on this in verses 3 through 5 where he says that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. That we shouldn't elevate ourselves as being more important. That our needs, our wants, our time... Our abilities are more important or just for me, that we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but that we should see ourselves as Christ sees us. And then he goes on and he says that we are now no longer just to live a life of isolation, but that he has placed us into a body. This is one of the first times in Paul's epistles where he uses this analogy of the body to help us understand what it means to be part of the church. You've been placed into a body. This was not a choice. This is not optional. He has placed you. And so the first part of our notes is that the gospel draws us out of isolation and into a gospel-centered community. If you have placed your faith in Christ, Paul says, you now have been taken out of a life of isolation where your focus was on you and how you were going to spend your time, and how you were going to make your money, and what was the most important thing for you to do to make yourself satisfied. And now I'm placing you into a community where you're going to serve me, and then you're going to serve other people. You're not going to focus on yourself. Now there's many benefits to being part of a family. A family that really is based upon not social uh, uh, similarities, or life stage similarities, but built upon similarities that have to do with something eternal that will never change. And that is the gospel, our faith in the gospel, our relationship with Christ. But needless to say, this is a very diverse family. And so being part of a diverse family is not always easy. There are just certain people we just don't get along with. There are certain types of situations that are just very uncomfortable to be in. But the point can't be missed that we are no longer to live our lives in isolation. We are no longer to live our lives focused solely on ourselves. But we are now to live a part of the family of God. We are members and we have, each of us now is no longer called to be selfish and consumed with self, but to live in a family where each of us has a responsibility to one another. That's our second point. Each of us has a responsibility to one another. Paul touches on in verse 6 that when you believe by faith in the gospel, that God places the Holy Spirit into you and he gives you a new gift. It's called a spiritual gift. He gives you an ability that you didn't have prior to a relationship with God. And the purpose of that ability is to edify the church, to build it up, and to glorify God. That's the purpose of that gift. And we are to be using that because when I use my gift in the body, the body functions as God designs. But when I don't, it causes, it causes disease. It causes it to not work. There's a breakdown. It becomes dysfunctional because parts of the body are not working as they were designed to work. But in addition to this, there is a general duty now that we have being part of the family of God to one another. This term one another is really familiar to us who have been believers for a while, because you can't read through the New Testament and not see it over and over and over again. There are 94 verses in the New Testament that have this phrase, one another. It's translated in two words in the English, but it's actually just one word in the Greek. And 47 of those verses 
we see instructions to followers of Jesus Christ to fill in the blank one another. I've included them in your notes. Um, you, you probably see them right now. They're, they're listed out for you, the 47 different instructions given to believers, instructions of how they are to now love and serve one another. We're not going to take time to break down. There's scripture there for you to look at those and see where they're at in scripture. But there are several that deal with the topic of unity for you and I to be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Be gentle and patiently tolerate one another. There are several on love. Just the phrase love one another, you see all the passages there where that is specifically said in the New Testament. This is to believers in Jesus Christ. These are to people who are now part of the family of God, the body of Christ, the church. We are called to love one another, to tolerate one another, that through love serve one another. There are several that talk about humility, which Paul just hit on here in, in Romans chapter 12, of us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but that we are to give preference to one another, to wash one another's feet, to not be haughty, but to be of the same mind with one another. And then there's several that are just general, to bear one another's burdens, to not lie to one another, to encourage one another and build one another up. These are significant. And in my time just reading through these, uh, it's, for me, convicting. But before we become overwhelmed, Paul wants to help us here in Romans 12 focus on a starting point before going, okay, I got to go through this whole, this is my working list because that becomes law, guys. You take home this, these notes and you pin it on your wall and you're like, I have to do these every single day, you will be crushed by it. That's not God's intention. This is what it looks like to be a follower in Christ. But I want you to understand this. You can't do any of these one another's on your own. This is not a matter of will and grit and determination. I'm going to really commit this year to doing these things. We can only do these things as we pursue Christ. And he actually produces the ability to do them. He does them through us. But the key that we see that Paul says, the one that we should start with, if we're going to try to be obedient to the instructions of one another as now members of the body of Christ is love. In verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This is a genuine love. Paul says earlier there in verse 9, the verse just before that, it should be a love that's without hypocrisy. A love that means that you can come to me in, in your mess and in, in, in your struggles, and I'm going to love you through that. It's not going to be, well, I don't want to be around that now, or you just, your life makes me uncomfortable, or you've offended me, so I'm not going to actually help you. But it's a love that says, I love you because Christ loves you, and we're called to come together and never give up on each other because he never gave up on us. It's the same love that we've experienced. We can't love this way until we actually experience it, and we can't experience it unless we see ourselves as Roman paints it, just this, this gross, wicked, rebellious person that God said, there's nothing that you can continue to do that I'm, that's going to prevent me from giving my son for you. It's a genuine care for others. And that's what love really is. 
Love is saying, I'm going to put the needs of other people ahead of my own. I care about them. I'm not going to place myself above anybody. I'm going to think of myself as I should think of myself and not higher. This is Christ in us. As we pursue him, he produces this love in us for one another. Paul says that we should give here preference to one another and honor. The Christian standard says outdo one another. I thought that's an interesting way to translate that passage. But if you look at the word give in the Greek, the word give means to give with eagerness, exceedingly. I want to honor you. And to honor you is I want to place you above myself. I want to continue to serve you all the time. That's what we are called to do. And so it's clear that God's desire for our lives is not to be focused on ourselves, but to have our heads up looking at each other looking into each other's lives, caring about what's going on in your life, and looking for ways that we can serve each other. And in church, we cannot do this unless we're in community. You and I cannot obediently follow the one another instructions in Scripture in isolation. We have to be connected to the body of Christ. We have to be connected to other people. And this can be hard. And one of the things that makes it hard is because it starts an age-old battle in our minds. That if I'm spending my time serving other people, what about me? If you have kids, this is a classic argument in the household between siblings. Why aren't they having to do what I'm doing? If I'm doing this, what about them? It doesn't change for us as adults. But God's beautiful design, and this is our next point, is that within community, we grow, encourage, serve, and glorify the Lord. See, one another in the Greek is a reciprocal word. It's not just on one person to do this. Guys, you are responsible for the one another's. Every one of you. And I am responsible for the one another's. To all of you as well. And it's reciprocal. We're both serving one another as we continue to work our way towards maturity in Christ. See, there are several things within the body that we cannot provide for ourselves. And we feel here that getting smaller and being in groups is one of the most effective ways to accomplish these things and to benefit from these things and to gain these things. One is a greater understanding of the scriptures. Even if you are the highest theologian in our church, if you know the scriptures better than anybody else, I guarantee you that God could use another believer filled with his spirit to help you understand another layer to his word that you didn't understand before, if you will connect with the body. We can all grow in our understandings of the scripture as God reveals things that are true and gives understanding and we communicate those to one another. I've been encouraged so many times in just discussion with so many of you as you guys share what God is teaching you. And I'm like, that is so good. I need to think about that myself. Accountability. It's called a blind spot for a reason. You can't see it on your own. And the Bible has many verses that say, let's watch out for each other. See, community serves as a guardrail. You know, guardrail is on the road, usually next to a cliff. And the purpose is that you'll hit that, and yeah, it's going to scuff your car, but it's going to be better than if you go off the side. 
right? Community, the body of Christ is a guardrail. Sometimes it's really, really hard and uncomfortable to come face to face with some blind spots in our life. But it's much better than going completely off the side of the road. We need that. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says that we are called to look out for one another. While it's still today, it puts an emphasis on don't, don't go away, don't, don't stop. Because if you do, if you wait one day, it could get so much worse. But it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's a call for one another's. But another thing that we get from the body that we can't get in isolation is encouragement. I was talking with somebody this week, and we were talking about uh, just sometimes we can feel like, man, I am a failure. I'm a failure as a parent. I'm a failure as a spouse. I'm a failure as a child of God. And I'm the worst. I mean, we kind of feel like the Apostle Paul, I'm the worst of all sinners. I felt that way. And then I go, and I've gone to small group, or I've gone to a growth group, and I share my heart, and I'm kind of, I'm almost expecting, like, I need to come clean, but I'm, and I'm almost expecting people to go, how could you, Pete? And they're like, that's it. Let me tell you about what I did this week. And immediately, it's not like, hey, let's all celebrate our failures. But what it does is it gives us comfort to know that we're all works in progress. And that there's somebody that can relate and that I can pray with and that we can hold each other accountable and point each other back to Christ because he is the only solution. You can't have that comfort in isolation. And I want to make sure that we understand this. Don't confuse connectivity with community. Don't confuse connectivity through social media as community. Because we all don't usually post the first picture we take. We filter it. We retake it. But, well, I know how that person's doing. They don't need any community. They don't need me. I can't help them in any way. No. No, you can't. We need, to be we need to be connected. The Bible warns us in Proverbs, the, the book on wisdom, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, that the person in isolation, the person who doesn't get connected to community, their heart's desire is to pursue their selfish desires, and they do not want to have anything to do with sound judgment. And so if we want to go, I don't really feel like I have time for it, I don't really want to be plugged in, the Bible is warning us, it's peeling back, the layers and seeing into the heart and says, you know what? Isolation is usually a sign that you have something that you want to pursue more than God. So what's the key point this morning? Our relationship with God is deeply personal, but not intended to be private. We all have something to contribute to the body of Christ. We've all been gifted. And in Christ, we possess the ability to fulfill these one another's. And when we fulfill the one another's, man, there is so much joy in serving it's, again, an upside-down concept, but we serve an upside-down Savior in that he doesn't do what the world says, and he doesn't play to what our heart's desires think they need. He says, this is what I created to give you the most satisfaction. This is what I've created to give you the most joy. Will you do it? The world is fighting against it and saying, no, be about you. Make yourself number one. And he is saying, no, serve, and you will be fulfilled. The whole purpose of us serving is to not build up a, a ministry or to make certain people feel good about themselves. The purpose of us coming together in community is to effectively build each other up so that we can be more effective for the work that God has called us to for his glory and his glory alone.
And I can say on behalf of all of our staff, our pastors, our desire for you is that you will be connected with one another in a way that is deep and personal and continues to point each other to Christ so that you can grow and continue to move down the discipleship continuum and be ready for God to continue to send you out and be a disciple maker. It's no secret that God desires his followers to be in community with each other. So what we've created for you today is we've, we've given you guys some resources. Again, in your bulletin, you have uh, all the options, different days of the week, different times of the day, different stages of life, gender-specific, multi-generational. Um, they're all really, really helpful. We understand that for some of you, um, you need to maybe respond to what God's word has told us this morning, and, and it might take some time to think through it and pray through it. I still encourage you to go upstairs and to visit our small group leaders and to see what we have to offer. Um, we would love to do that. There are small group guides outside the doors here by all the entrances that can kind of tell you more in depth what they're going to be studying. But the teachers themselves, many of them are going to be up in the chapel right after we break here in just a moment, and would love to get to to answer any questions you might have. Next Sunday, for those of you who've been here for a while, we typically have had a big group connect for two weekends, but we, we made some slight switches this summer. And so uh, we, we have already had kind of our service impact uh, with Salem Heights Serves back in July. And so today is the big day up in the chapel where we're going to have all our booths. Next Sunday, though, we're going to have out in our information area here another space where you can come and maybe you've taken the week, you could take this information home and you pray about it and then you can sign up next Sunday. We also have an online opportunity. There's no no way that you couldn't have an opportunity to sign up if you want to. But let me leave you guys with one verse. And I think it really just communicates our heart this morning. It's out of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you say, the day drawing near. The author of Hebrews saying, consider it. How can you serve one another? Let me pray, and then we're going to dismiss you guys. We won't have an end song. We'd love for you to make your way up to the chapel. If you, if you can't stay, grab some information before you leave. And as I pray, I would love to invite our small group leaders and those who are going to be manning the booths. That's your, I'll pray long enough to give you a head start, okay? <laughs> Let me pray. God, I... I thank you this morning for your love. God, I thank you for not just saving us, but then adopting us into a family. A family that is so rooted on you that it is called to be a family that is genuine, without hypocrisy. A family that will hate evil and point us always back to you, God. Lord, I thank you for all of the encouragement in here that we receive as the body obeys the one another's, God. But Lord, help us not to look at this as a, a, a set of rules or expectations, but an opportunity to be part of the family, to serve one another. And God, I pray that you would help us pursue you more this year, that through our connection into small groups or growth groups or our classes, God, that you would cause us to, to learn about you more, that we'd grow in our intimacy with you, and that, God, that would empower us to connect deeper and have more meaningful and deeper and genuine relationships with the body of Christ. But God, help us not to live in isolation this year. Help us not to pull away, 
But as life gets busy and it gets hard, help us to lean into you and to lean into the, the church, the body that you placed around us to find our direction and our comfort and help them point us to you. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. And we just pray now that you would help us make uh, the decisions wisely as we look into signing up for groups. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. It was great to be with you this morning. You're dismissed. Have a great week. We hope to see you again next Sunday.